Let's all turn in our Bibles to Mark's Gospel. We're going to be in chapter 4 this morning, covering verses 35 to 41. And I titled this morning's message, The Storms of Life. And let's open in prayer. Father, we lift up this time in your word. Lord, we know that every time we open your word, that you have truth that you want to speak into our hearts. You want to reveal something more about your nature and who you are to us. We, we know you through your word. We know you and, and we learn your character and who you are by reading your word. And Lord, I pray that you would speak that into our hearts this morning, something of you. And Father, I just pray for those that are not here. I know that there's uh, a lot of sickness going around and I, I just pray that you would touch and heal. Lord, I pray for um, each one of us here this morning, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would do a work in our hearts this morning. And we trust that you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you uh, have seen the movie called The Perfect Storm? Raise your hand. Yeah, a number of you. The Perfect Storm. I've seen it. Uh, You know, it's a true story. Uh, I wanted to read uh, to you a little bit about that in light of our message this morning about the storms of life. Uh, I read a little bit on this, just a little caption about this event. It happened in October of 1991 that a commercial fishing boat by the name of Andrea Gale, it returned to port in Gloucester, Massachusetts with a poor catch. They were desperate for money, and so Captain Billy Tyne convinces the Andrea Gale crew to join him for one more last season fishing trip. The crew heads out past their usual fishing grounds on the Grand Banks of Newfoundland, leaving a developing tropical storm behind them. Initially unsuccessful, they they headed to the Flemish Cap where their luck greatly improved. And at the height of their fishing, the ice machine on their boat, it broke down. And the only way to sell their catch before it spoiled was to hurry back to shore. And after debating whether to sail through the building storm or to wait it out, the crew decides to risk the storm. However, between Andrea Gale and Gloucester is a confluence of two powerful weather fronts and a hurricane which the Andrea Gale crew underestimates. After the Andrea Gale endures various problems, the crew struggles to sail through pounding waves and shrinking winds, while friends and family worry and wait for a ship that would never come home. The vessel encounters an enormous rogue wave. They attempt to drive the boat over the wave, but it crests before it can get to the top and it's overturned. Billy elects to go down with his ship. The rest of the crew are trapped inside and only one rookie fisherman, Bobby Shatford, manages to get out. He surfaces and he watches as the Andrea Gale rights herself before sinking stern first into the Atlantic. As Bobby silently says his goodbyes to his loved ones, the rapidly rising swell carries him away. It was quite the movie. Pretty dramatic. Pretty scary. The thought of being out in in an ocean, in a dark ocean, And really seeing that you just, in that moment, it's all over. And really, for us as Christians, we quite often find ourselves really engulfed in the storms of life, don't we? I know that even in the size of this group here, there's there's some storms that are brewing here even this morning in your life. And many times I think we feel like those storms are going to carry us away that we're not going to be able to get our head above water. 
And it really requires something of us as a Christian, doesn't it? It requires some faith. It requires us to be dependent upon our Lord. And God, would you help us with our little faith? Because quite often, that's why we feel like we're sinking. That's why we feel like we can't seem to get our head above the water. It's why it seems like things are out of control in life. That storm, that day that took the lives of these men on that ship, they were, if they knew the Lord, they could have great hope even in that. But I'm sure that as they saw that wave coming, that was it. For us as Christians, we either go through storms, the storms of life, and we come through it victoriously, or we go through it and we feel like we're sinking. And, And what comes along with that? Fear, anxiety, everything that comes along with those storms in life, they affect us. Mark's Gospel that we're in right now, we see Jesus taking His disciples in this account this morning in what we might call the perfect storm. Why is it perfect? Why would Jesus take someone into a perfect storm? Because everything that Jesus does is perfect. He never takes us into it or allows us to go into a storm or allows us to go down a path unless it's for our good. It has to pass through the hand of God. And here's Jesus allowing His disciples to go into this perfect storm. He's going to prove Himself to the disciples. He's going to to grow their faith during this this trial and this, this tempest in life. He's going to teach His disciples some lessons in faith. I think we all need that, don't we? We're learning from their example this morning about lessons in faith. Remember that Jesus training the twelve, that it wasn't just textbook teaching. Jesus did much of His training and most of His training with these twelve men as He walked with them as He showed them from real-life situations. And, and isn't that really the best discipleship? To live out your walk, to live out your life in front of a brand new Christian that they might follow and learn from you. The things that the Lord has taught you. We read in Mark chapter 1 that the crowds one day, as Jesus was teaching, were told that as He taught that the people, they, they saw how He taught as one who had authority. And it wasn't like the scribes. It wasn't like all the teaching that they heard them teach. Jesus' teaching was something different. It was with authority. In Mark one twenty seven, we read that they were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, He commands even the unclean spirits to obey Him. They were amazed at what they saw as Jesus seemed to have power and authority even over demons and evil spirits. In chapter 2, verse 10, we, we read that, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins when He healed that paralytic. That you would know that He has authority to forgive sins. In chapter 3, verse 10, we read, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. He had the power and the control over sickness, over death, over healing. That was the example. That was what Jesus was showing to His disciples as they walked alongside Him in ministry. Jesus in our text today 
is going to demonstrate his power and his authority over nature itself. And look at our world. Look at the things that go on in our world today. Who's in control in your mind of the things that you see taking place in our world? Even down to the very nature, who's in control? In chapter 5, we're going to see next week, we're going to see that Jesus is going to demonstrate his authority once again over demons. He's going to demonstrate it once again over sickness and over the authority that he has over death itself. That Jesus has that power, he has that authority. In our text today, it's, it's over nature. It's over the storm. It's, it's God's ability to control even the elements that were around. You see, power and authority over sin, sickness, unclean spirits, demons, nature, and death. Just those things. That, that's the kind of God that we serve. So as we go through the storms of life, how big is your God? What is He able to do for you in those storms of life? When we feel like we're sinking, when we feel like there's no hope, the anxiety is up here. Where do we go? Where do we run? We're told that this all happened on the same day that Jesus was teaching that multitude of people that were gathered there on the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. And this particular day was the same day that Jesus was going to call His disciples to get into the boat and to cross over to the other side. All of this is happening in one day. All of those parables that we have already gone through in chapter 4. We're told that this great multitude of people that had gathered, they also, and some of them, they got into small fishing boats on this day, and they began to follow after Jesus' boat with His disciples. Not everyone could leave the shore. Some got into these boats, the ones that they, they just didn't want to leave Jesus' side, and they began to follow Him over to the other side in their boats. He taught all of the people on that day, on that shore, including His disciples, the parable of the sower. He talked about people's hearts and their ability to hear and and, and sometimes not to hear. He talked about those various types of hearts. He also, in those parables, He talked about a lamp. And how a lamp can't be put under a basket or under a bed. That it should be put onto a lampstand for everyone to see. He's speaking and He's teaching about our witness as Christians to this world. That we need to be lights. He taught the parable of the growing seed in this chapter. The growth of God's kingdom. He taught the parable of the mustard seed. And how God's kingdom grows. These are all ways that Jesus was wanting to communicate to His disciples and to those who were serious about following Jesus about how His kingdom would grow. How the kingdom of God would advance. And He spoke it to them in parables. We finished in verses 33 and 34 with these words. And with many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, and it says this, as they were able to hear it. As they were able to take it in. As they were able to hear what He was really saying. Remember, not everybody was able to hear, though they heard. But they weren't able to really hear the spiritual significance of what Jesus was teaching. But it goes on to say in verse 34, but without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, Jesus explained all things to his disciples. 
He invested in these men. This was discipleship. He knew that they needed to understand. They needed to have explanation of what these parables meant. They were going to be beneficial to them as they would continue the work after even his departure of taking this gospel into the world. We come now to verse 35, our text this morning. Look at your Bibles, chapter 4, verse 35. We read, On the same day, when evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. You know what I would do with that? I would underline that. If you have a highlighter, highlight it. You know, make some notation on that. Let us cross over to the other side. Verse 36. Now when they had left the multitude, there on the shoreline, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with Jesus. And a great windstorm arose. Here's that perfect storm. And the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And the disciples awoke Jesus, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you think that that they said that in just in a mild voice? kind of quietly woke him up from... I think they were probably screaming. I think that they were in terror. I think they were in fear that they were going to go down with that boat there in the middle of that lake. And look how they, re, look how they approached him. Teacher, do you not care? Do you not care that we're perishing? Have you ever uttered similar words to the Lord? Look what Jesus does. Verse 39, He arose and He rebuked the wind. And He said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But Jesus said to the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And the disciples feared exceedingly. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? This might be for me anyway, one of the the top stories that I read in the Bible for me. And the reason why is because there's so much practical application in what we just read read here. But I want to give you a little caution. A lot of times people read this and they, they say, man, what a powerful miracle. He calmed the seas. He, he, he caused the wind to cease. Powerful. And they get caught up into the miracle. And and it was a a powerful miracle. The calming of a sea. Can any one of us do that? Tell the wind to stop. It's a powerful miracle, but it's also a lesson in faith. You see, there's something that the Lord wants to teach them from this. He was never about just wanting to throw out a miracle to amaze people. He wanted them to learn something from it. Something about Himself. Something about faith. Something that He wants to work in us 2,000 years later as we read the same story and we consider the storms of life that we often endure ourselves. Some of the highlights that we see in these verses, and I want to go through them a a, a little bit slower here. Uh, This all happened on the same day that Jesus was there teaching the disciples there on that shoreline as well as that mixed multitude of people. It all happened at the same day. It's now evening time. 
This was an all day of, of teaching and preaching to the people. And Jesus said to his disciples as his teaching was finished, let us cross over to the other side. Remember, Jesus was sitting in a boat. He was teaching from out in the water, sitting in a boat and teaching the people that were there on the shore. He calls for his disciples to come out to him and to get into the boat because we're going to go to the other side, to the east side, about an eight-mile boat ride across the Sea of Galilee. He says, come and get into the boat with me because we're going to cross over to the other side. It's important that, and I reiterate this, that we make note of Jesus' words. Make note of the fact that they're in red letters. Make note of the fact that He's making this promise so to speak, to his disciples as to where they're going to end up. Do you think God knows where you're going to end up in your trials and tribulations and your storms in life? Jesus said to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And then I want you to notice what it says in chapter 5, verse 1. Look at your Bibles. They made it to the other side. Just as Jesus said. You see that? They made it to the other side. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadareans. They made it. Just as Jesus said that He would. How many promises do you read in your Bible? And how many promises have you stood upon that you have seen that God has been faithful to His words. You see, this is a, a key lesson of faith. You see, what God says to you and to me, He's going to do it. He will do it. Is Jesus Christ coming back to take us to be with Him? Let's bring it down to the end. Yes, He is. Do you ever question whether or not He's ever going to make it? Maybe. Do you ever doubt some promises of God? Probably. But has He always been faithful to come through, even in your doubts? He has. Because He will always be faithful to what He says He will do. That evening, when the disciples stepped into the boat with Jesus to cross over the sea, it was probably calm. The water was probably calm at the moment. The crossing was something that had been done many times by these fishermen, these, these disciples that were fishermen by trade. They knew the lake. They knew how to handle a boat. But they also knew the unpredictability of the winds that would quite often come across that lake and make it a dangerous place to be on. They knew that. But here's another lesson that we can all learn. And I think it was a lesson that they were learning also. And I put it under just the two words, self-confidence. You see, self-confidence will always get you into trouble. Especially in those storms of life. When, when, when the things are really just beating up against you. Self-confidence doesn't do you any good in the storm. These men, they understood all the elements. They knew how to handle the boat. But they had no clue what they were about to enter into. And I, and I have a feeling they thought they were all right. It was calm when we left. It's only an eight-mile trek across the lake. Surely, we'll get there. You see, Jesus knew as they stepped into that boat and as they possibly got to the middle of the lake, 
You know that place where it's not just 10 feet off the shore where they're going to jump out of it and get to land. No, we're out in the middle. We're out in the, in the part where if we go down, there's no way we're getting to the shore. Do you think Jesus knew that? As they stepped over the edge of that boat and got into the boat with Him? As He went to the back of the boat and laid His head down on the pillow? I think He knew that. I know that He knew that. This was going to be a lesson in faith. They were going to be tested to the very core of the little faith that they had on that day. You remember that a faith that is tested much, and you know those people that have been tested maybe in greater ways than you ever have. But a faith that has been tested much, when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God tempers you in those testings. God makes you strong through the testings and the storms of life. But He also makes you dependent upon Him. Not self-confident, not self-reliant. I'll handle this, I'll do it, but confident in Him. Confident in His promises. Confident in the fact that He said, we're going to get into the boat and we're going to go to the other side. When they departed, we're told that there was still a multitude of people that were standing on the shore. You see, not all were going to be tested that day. It was going to be those in the boat. Those that were following Jesus were the ones that were going to get tested. You know, like you and I, as we seek to follow Jesus, do you think the temptations that come your way, do you think that they're ordained of God, that God allows them in your life? He does. Why does He do it? Because He loves you. Why does he, uh, what does he want to do in it? He wants to grow you. Are you all right with that? Is it, is it all right in your soul to say, you know, God, I trust you with my very life and the things in my life? And, and, and I promise not to get angry with you and to question you and to doubt you. But it's hard to make those promises, isn't it? Because when we get into a situation where we don't realize how sometimes we just come up so short. We're told that they took Jesus alone or along in the boat as He was. You see, Jesus never probably got out of the boat that day. He taught all day. Evening had come. He asked the disciples or told the disciples to come and to get into the boat with Him. And they did. He was already sitting there. He, would already, he was already done. And I have to believe that Jesus was exhausted. I get tired just standing up here for 45 minutes teaching. He had been teaching all day. And I have to believe that in His humanity, He was exhausted. And then we see that He tells His disciples to come and to get into the boat and let us cross over to the other side. He's got a plan. He never you know, got so tired that He said, hey guys, I'm just going to go do my thing for a little bit. I'm going to go retreat a little bit. I've got I to have my sabbatical. No, there's more lessons to be learned. Uh, guys, get into the boat. We're going to go to the other side. How many times have you set sail in your day? You, you started off your day thinking about the potential storms that could be out there. You got one day. You don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring, but this one day, there's potentially some storms that are ahead of you. Maybe you leave your house one day and you're not prepared in heart. You haven't prepared your heart. You haven't spent time with the Lord in prayer or in His Word. You know that the storms are out there. You haven't put on your armor, so to speak. You haven't readied yourself for the potential 
But in your self-confidence, you leave your house. I leave my house. It's just another day. And you know, and it's a day like every other day. I get up and I get my clothes on, I go to work. And then I, you know, and, and many times we approach life in that way. But here's an important reminder. When you leave your house, when you leave the shoreline, when you, when you head out, we need to take Jesus with us. Now just think what that boat ride would have been like without Jesus in the boat. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's asleep at the back of the boat on a pillow. But he's there. And what would it have been like if they would have been alone without him? Well, he probably would have came walking out on the water like he did on another occasion. Because he's always faithful. But we need to keep in mind that our life is just like these disciples' lives, that testings will come. They will come. And, and Lord, that I would be ready in heart and mind. I'd be ready. And, and Lord, I'm going to leave my house today and I'm going to take You with me. How did I do that? I, I spent time with You. I, got, I had some prayer time and I had some time in Your Word. And as I left the house today, I felt like I was just taking you right along with me. You're with me. But how about if we leave him back home and we head out? We're told there were also these little boats. And they too were following Jesus in a sense, weren't they? They wanted to know more about this Jesus. They wanted to hear more from Him. And they jumped into boats and they too were in a sense following after Jesus. They couldn't resist following Him wherever He went. And at some point, it doesn't tell us when, but at some point in this journey across the lake, we're told that a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm speaks of an intense storm. Something that uh, maybe was even above and beyond the normal. You ever been in one of those? This is intense. This is difficult. And as I shared already, at, at the lake's widest point, it's only eight miles across. In a small fishing boat, that's probably quite the track across that lake. But what happened on this lake that day still happens today. There's ravines that come from the hills around the Sea of Galilee. The actual Sea of Galilee is the second lowest lake in the world next to the Dead Sea. When the winds come down through those channels between the mountains, it comes across like a funnel across the Sea of Galilee, and it actually creates waves. And so you can get the picture of what was taking place and why we, 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 it's hard for us to wrap our head around. They're on a lake. I mean, how bad can it be? But it, even to this day, because it's the same. Those weather patterns, depending on what, that perfect storm comes across that lake. Jesus that day took them into a perfect storm. In Matthew's account of this same event in chapter 8, we read, Now when Jesus got into a boat, His disciples followed Him, and suddenly it calls it here a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves, but Jesus was asleep. How does that happen? He's got his head on a, on a pillow of peace. He's sleeping in the back of the boat when all of this is going on. How is it that he could be at such peace 
in the middle of all of this? How can we as Christians be at peace in the middle of a storm? We're told that the waves that were being created by this windstorm, that they were beating on the boat, coming over the side of the boat, we read in, in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah wrote this in, in Isaiah 51:15. We read, But I am the Lord your God, who divides the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. We read in Psalm 107, verse 25. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. Who's in control? Who's in control of the very elements that we live in? These waves that were hitting the boat were large enough. They were coming over the side. They were beginning to fill the boat up with water. And in essence, they knew that they were getting ready to sink. The boat was going to go down. Jesus asleep in the back of the boat. He's on this pillow. He's he's in the stern at the back, just sleeping, resting. Isn't that the place that you want to be? It comes your way. And you just, you're at rest. God, you've given me some promises. I I can't see how it's going to come about, but I I know you're faithful. You're going to do it, God. I'm going to stand here in all the turmoil and all that I'm getting beat up. I'm going to trust you. But that's not what was going on in the hearts of these disciples at that moment in that storm. They needed to have that peace. They needed to have a lesson in faith. Their their faith needed to be tested so that it could see what sort of faith it really was. You see, faith and trust and reliance and hope and confident expectation and assurance and courage, those are all things that we need to grow in, aren't they? The promises that God will do in us. As we stay close to Jesus, walk with Him, take Him with us, stay close to Him, you'll grow in these ways. We see, though, that this storm brought fear to the disciples. I mean, I, I could just see their faces in my mind. These were fishermen. They'd been out in this boat many times. But they're fearful. That's how bad this tempest was. And they go over and they they see Jesus asleep on a pillow. And they wake Him up from His sleep and they cry out, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Those are some other words that might be underlined or highlighted in your Bible. Do you care, Lord? Do you really care? I mean, do you really love me? I mean, you're a God of love. Do you really love me? I mean, if you do, then why would you allow one of your children to go through this storm, to go through this in life? You see, questioning God is a lack of faith. When He gives you a promise and you question Him on it, does He know we'll do it at times? He does. Are you growing in the grace of God? Yes, you are. Is He forgiving towards you when you lack faith? Yes, He is. Will He pick you back up and and, and continue the good work in you? Yes, He will. That's important to know, isn't it? Otherwise, we just all kind of shrink up and go, oh man, look at me. I love this picture of Jesus being asleep on a pillow. I call it the pillow of peace. 
in the back of this boat. You see, it's a picture of not only the humanity of Jesus, because he was exhausted. It probably wasn't hard for him to fall asleep, even though things were rocking around. But we also see the deity of Jesus in this picture, don't we? As he stood to his feet, as they woke him, and he stood to his feet, and he calmed the storm and had power and authority over the wind and the waves. His humanity and his deity there in the boat with him. The storm, it brought such fear that Jesus knew was going to test their faith. He knew that their anxiety level was raised to its limits. The restlessness that was going on in their, in their minds. The worries. The stresses. Have you ever gone and, and laid on your pillow, but it wasn't a pillow of peace? <laughs> Have you ever laid your head down at night? And, and you felt really tired when you were going up to your room. And then you lay down and then all this stuff just bouncing around in your head. You got more anxieties and things going around. And then you I didn't sleep very well last night. I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning all night. I just I couldn't get my mind to stop thinking about all this stuff that's going on in our life right now. I'm worried. There's anxiety in me. Jesus knows, doesn't He? He knows what He's doing in us. But God, help us that we might, that we might lay our heads down, so to speak, at night. And that it would be a pillow of peace. And that we, that, that we wouldn't be crying out to God in every occasion, in every storm of life. You know, don't you care? And we might say it in other ways. We might do it in other actions. We might even be, have you ever been bitter towards God? He knows when we're bitter. He knows that inside when we know it, I'm, God, I am just done with these trials. And it makes me angry at you that you haven't removed me from them. You see, God, God allows us to stir around a lot because He knows what the good outcome is going to be. Jesus, He arose from His sleep. He rebuked the wind. He said to the sea, Peace, be still. That's it. That's all he had to do. Peace. Be still. And it was. And notice that he rebuked the wind. What's interesting is that in, in chapter 1, verse 25, it's the same words that Jesus used when he was casting the demon out of the man. He said, be quiet and come out of him. Here's Jesus rebuking the winds and the sea. And then all of a sudden there's this great calm. Just like the man that was convulsing, that was demon-possessed. And when he delivered him, it was like this peace came over him. Again, I want to ask you the question, who's in control in your life, in your situations of life? And then we're told that this all happened in an instant. It wasn't like, you know, God just started you know, coming down. I have a feeling that when He spoke those words, it was like, just calm. And their, their minds were just blown for that moment. Can you imagine? They were just like in awe. In an instant. Hey, have you ever been there and, and all of a sudden the remedy comes? The way of escape comes. And then all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're going, Lord, look what you've done. 
Look at who I, I, I had a hard time seeing how that went, but look what you did. You, you were faithful. And quite often those things come in an instant, though there's been many days and many months and sometimes longer than that where we've been going through this storm. In Psalm 107, verse 29, by the way, that whole psalm you might want to read, but Psalm 107, verse 29 says, He calms the storm so that the waves are still. That's God. Paul finished the second letter to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 3, verse 16. This is how he finishes the letter. He's writing to the believers there and he says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. The Lord of peace. That's who he is. You want to know something about the very nature of God? He's the Lord of peace. I want to know that, Lord, in a greater way. Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, this might be one you might want to memorize, verse 3 and 4. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. That's one thing. And He's also the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted of God. Have have you ever been through it? And then God turned around and to His glory, He used you to comfort somebody else because you've been there. Hey, let me tell you guys, there was one day we were out in the boat with Jesus. And man, this storm came up. We were going to get swamped. We were ready to go down. You know, and man, we were fearful. Man, we were crying out to God. And you know what? All of a sudden, he stood up and he just said, Peace be still. And the whole thing went silent. Let me tell you what God is able to do. Let me give you a testimony of what he did in my life. He can do it in your life. With the same comfort that he comforted you, you can extend that same comfort of God to them. Look what Jesus says to his disciples. This was already predetermined. He knew that this was going to come to this. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? I wonder what their faces looked like at that moment. As they heard this gentle rebuke from their Lord. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Did you, do, do, don't you remember when I told you when you got into the boat, we're crossing over to the other side? Remember that? So why, why did you doubt? He doesn't even say that they had no faith. In Luke's Gospel, he says... His account is, O ye of little faith. Not, O ye of no faith. He didn't say that to His disciples. He said, O ye of little faith. Your faith wasn't big enough to take you through this storm without fear, without anxiety, without questioning my care for you. It wasn't big enough. And I want your faith to grow. You've just been tested in the storm of life. And you came up wanting, so to speak. You didn't have what you needed for the moment. But you can. Your faith can grow. Jesus allowed them to see something about His nature in this miracle. He took the opportunity to teach them a lesson, a life experience. And then you see this dialogue between the disciples. 
who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Who is this? Aren't you glad that even in our failures, even when we question God and we don't have that big faith, it's little faith, that our God is gracious and that he's merciful towards you? Aren't you glad? He was towards them. He knew what He was doing in them. But you know what He could have said to them in that gentle rebuke? He could have said to them, hey, wait until we get over to the other side. You're going to have your your question answered when you get there. And you know who's going to answer the question? The demons are going to answer the question. When we get to the Gadareans, when we get over there, you don't even know what's coming ahead. But when we step off that boat and we get over there, there's going to be this demon-possessed man that's going to come running out to me. He's going to kneel down and he's going to begin to worship me. And then he's going to cry out with this voice, this demon-possessed man, what have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God. You see, there was no question in the demon's mind, was there? They know who Jesus was. They ran out to work. He ran out to worship Him. And this demon that was in Him says out loud, out of this man's mouth, what have I to do with you, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? This was the first time this man had met Jesus. This demon was coming face to face with the Son of the Most High God. He could have just gently rebuked them with those words. But he simply said, O ye of little faith, why did you fear? Promises in God's Word are important for us to learn, aren't they? God makes promises and He will always keep them. If you just remember those words in life, trials, and storms, let us cross over to the other side. That would be some good words just to memorize on their own. You'll find a lot of application for that. Just in your daily life, the promises that you have to hold on to. I actually tried to find out how many promises there are in the Bible. And as I, I looked, I, I found that the range was huge. It actually ranged from one person's calculations of 1,260 promises in the Bible to another person's calculation that says there's 30,000 promises in the Bible. Big range, isn't it? That, that, that just simply tells me it all depends on who's doing the counting and what they consider to be a promise. But in the King James Version of the Bible, there are 66 books. There are 1,189 chapters in the Bible. There are 31,000 173 verses in the Bible. That's what kind of throws me on the 30,000. But there are 3,116,480 letters in the Bible. So if that 30,000 number that whoever took the time to do that, if that, that just tells me that all of God's Word is a promise. Let's just make it simple. His whole word is a promise. But some of the promises given to those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they have to do with eternal life. They have to do with the promises of forgiveness in your life. They have to do with the promise of the Holy Spirit that He has promised to you. The promises of money and finances in your life. The needs that you have. 
The promise of healing, spiritual and physical. The promises of wisdom and guidance. The promises to, uh, to our children as parents. The promises of family and marriage. The promises of peace. The promises of overcoming temptation, protection and fear. The promise of the resurrection of our bodies. The promise of the end of all suffering when we get to that day when God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Those are promises and many more all the way through the Word of God that God says, I want you to stand upon what I have said to you because I will do it. Let me read to you just a portion of Psalm 107. You can turn there in your Bibles. I'll start in verse 23. It's interesting because it's a parallel to what we're reading in this account. We might even say it's almost prophetic. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and they stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So He guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him also in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the company of the elders. Isn't that a great psalm? Something that you can apply and grab hold of and take to heart. So let me close with some reminders of what we can take away from this. What are are some of the truths that we just drew out of this text? In our trials, number one, in our trials of life, Jesus should always be with us. We need to get into the boat daily with Jesus. You know what I mean by that? Are you you remembering? You need to spend time with Jesus in prayer and in His Word. You need to get into the boat with Jesus every day. We need to prepare ourselves daily for the storms that are going to inevitably come our way. Number two, Jesus was the one who knowingly led His disciples into the storm where their faith was going to be tested. Don't get discouraged if the tempest arises in your life, as if God's turned His back on you. Because God is with you, and He'll take you, and He'll be with you through the storm. You see, a faith that is not tested is a faith that is often weak, or it's even shallow, a shallow faith. Number three, It's in the storms of life that we learn who Jesus is, but also who we are. You learn something about yourself, don't you? In the storms of life. Number four, we often approach trials and temptations with surprise. But Jesus has already told us that in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. A promise that you can stand on. Number five. We can see in this story the human and the divine. Jesus being all man, fast asleep on a pillow in the boat, but all God as He stood to His feet and He basically just said to the storm, be still, peace, be still. 
Number six, we see the disciples acting in this storm with fear and lacking in faith. Instead of believing, instead of trusting in his word and in those promises that we're going to go to the other side, they, they came up short in faith. Lord, would you help us that when we call out to you and we say, Lord, Lord, Master, Master, I trust you. Not that it would be, Lord, Lord, save us for we're going to perish. But Lord, that I would trust you. Number seven, the way that they approach Jesus in the storm is often how we approach God when we see the waves of trials. We do the same. We're of like manner, of like flesh. Our circumstances might be different, but they really equate to the same thing. It's when things are out of control. And then we get gripped with fear and doubt. And we don't see the immediate answers to prayer. And then we're questioning God, did you even hear me? Are you even hearing my prayers? God, would you help us to stand firm on what we do know and trust you? And lastly, can any of you see yourself like these disciples? You know, do you, can any of, you, any of you put yourself in that boat? Or is it just me? Hopefully it's not just me. I've been in that kind of a boat. Crying out. Not having the faith to believe. You see, all of these things are here for our admonition. Not for us to go, man, those disciples, come on guys. You know, surely you got more faith than that. I mean, you've seen all these miracles. That's kind of how we do sometimes. Those who are maybe in the midst of a storm today, some of you that might really be relating to the words today because you're in the middle of a storm right now, you might want to stand upon the words that Joshua said to the people of God. In Joshua 23.14, we read, Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. Isn't that a great verse to be able to stand upon? But it takes faith, doesn't it? Not one word has failed. The three uh, worship songs that we started the service on, the lyric that stuck out to me in that first song is that you have been faithful through every storm. Can we all say that this morning? The second worship song we, we sang, True are your promises. The third song that we did was, Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. That was just in the worship. And then we opened up the Word of God. And that's literally what we talked about. And God wants to do something incredible. we got a whole new year ahead of us. God, would you help us to go into this next year different than what I was in 2019? God, help me. And know that God is able. 
You see, the only hindrance to any of this has to do with ourself. It doesn't have to do anything to do with God. God is capable of doing anything, but we have a will. We have choices that we make day in and day out of whether or not we're gonna get into the boat with Jesus or we're gonna do it on our own self-sufficiency. And, and I, I can just tell you that if, if we make a determination that I'm gonna do something different above and beyond what I did in 2019, you're gonna come through this next year a different person. And that's what we want. We wanna grow, we wanna be more like Him. And all along the way, as you're growing in that faith of yours, know this, there will be times that it will be painful. None of us like pain, but there are times that it'll be painful. And the reason it will is to because to become like Jesus, to be like Him, to walk His path is not an easy path at times as a Christian. But I'll tell you this, in all of my life and all my struggles and difficulties in, in life, I wouldn't have it any other way. There's more joy and peace and satisfaction in life in the midst of it all, walking with Jesus than walking without Him. For somebody to, to, to come to the Lord and, and, and say, where else would we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. I mean, where are we gonna go? What's gonna top this? And my answer is nothing. No matter how bad, no matter how difficult it can be. And so, Father, we do come before you. We do uh, lift up, Lord, this, this bread, this cup, uh, this bread that is uh, symbolic of your body and your broken body for us, and this cup that holds this juice, that symbol of that, that precious blood of Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice that holy blood that was shed for our sin. Lord, we remember. And Lord, we once again, we apply this precious blood to our lives, this broken body to our lives, Lord. Would you fill us afresh even now with your Holy Spirit? Would you empower us to go out and be a witness for you, unashamed of our faith? Lord, that we might bring great glory to you. And in the end, Lord, when we stand before you, that we might hear those words, thou good and faithful servant, enter in to the joy of the Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.